Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week I have with me my partners in crime, Mark and Steve. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you doing? That was the same time. You're going to have to break that up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing quite well. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I am also doing quite well. But at least we've proved that we're not the same person. My secret identity is Mark Meckes. Now, Steve, talk while I drink this glass of water. (laughs) It's another regular week. We're just going to talk about stuff and uh, see where it takes us. Because that's the only thing we do. Secret from the editors. We we just talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of the point of a podcast, so that works out well. Is it? Is it, Mark? Are you sure? Well, you know, shadow puppets don't do well on podcasts. <laughs> so talking works much better. Yeah, in my that's opinion. True. This explains yeah, the you... lack of quality mime podcasts out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a point there, gentlemen. You have yep. a point. Episode 37, still trapped in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Just two hours of, of blank audio. <laughs> That's it. I, I've, I've got my next podcast out. <laughs> hey, if that Super doesn't make easy. money, I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this week we're going to talk about some uh, some different player styles and, and kind of what makes uh, different players individual. I have an article here on N-World. Maybe the 10 RPG player types. I think that's what it might be called. That looks right. We'll go with that. Because that's the only thing I see that could be a title. <laughs> it's appropriate, so but, um, sure. I'm just going to go down the line. We're going to talk a little bit about each of them, or or not, depending on how we feel. The first one is hardcore. Not okay. Run uh-huh. me through this one. What exactly? How, how would you be hardcore but not a gamer? I mean, what's the context? Well, there? the de- the description it says these are the nuts that sometimes wind up in your games, and even though they and you don't want to be there. (laughs) Uh, uh, They're the kind of people who discuss salmon rules for 10 hours in the middle of a game, wander off to watch TV and don't understand to the most basic conversations such as shut up when the GM is talking. Okay. I I got it. I see. So this is like somebody who doesn't want to be there. And the the hardcore non-gamer is what threw me the hardcore aspect of it. I thought they meant like a gamer of some other game. (laughs) So I think you get get this a lot in venue games, you know, something like Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Somebody might say you might be a hardcore Star Trek fan, but not really know anything about role playing. And they just sit there talking about the latest movie or, or in this episode they did this or that and has nothing to do with the rules. And, and I think that's where you see it more than some other that's games. Fair. Yeah, and, and I think that could be titled different, like <laughs> something like Lore Master Non-Gamer or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just, just straight up non-gamer doesn't want to be here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Guy who wants to be anywhere exactly. else. <laughs> yeah. somebody, playing, somebody playing D&D, but really they just want to be watching Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. Exactly. You know, that mm-hmm. type. Yeah. yeah. It could be same, said the same thing about what the One Ring, you know, the One Ring RPG. Somebody that wants to exactly. get into that, they know everything about Lord of the Rings. They've read the books, seen the movies 3,000 times, mm-hmm. but don't want to care about the rules or, or the basic stuff just to, you know, actually make the game flow well. Right. I think it's more of they want to be That's a part incredible. of it more than they actually put in the effort to. Exactly. 
Yeah. I got to say, this is this is a type that I have never had actually much experience with, at least nothing that's jumping to mind as far as somebody who's like so not into it. They just don't want to be there. So I guess I'm blessed in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit of the same way. Uh, I I can remember my, maybe one person, two people here and there yeah, every once in a while. It's not very common, but uh, I, I've run across a couple and you just kind of wonder, usually you just wonder why they're there and you know, they don't last long. So I think I got it. This, this could be like, this could be like Bob's girlfriend, for instance, or somebody who's just like, you know, exactly. not interested in anything. And is just sort of in the room at the time and has no alternative. Right. You know, right. I, I think that can go hand in hand with people that, that have no interest in the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The remedy that they give is ban them from your games. So, I mean, that's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they don't want to be there, no, yeah. no loss. I think yeah, that's absolutely. Better because for everyone, it's like yeah. Not wasting their time if they don't want to be there, not wasting your time because you don't want a player that's not invested. You know, it's kind of a, a mutual agreement kind of thing, so don't come. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, that gaming in general is like, – like RPGs are kind of a tough sell to begin with. I mean, like the fact that, you know, if somebody doesn't know what they are and you're like, okay, we're going to spend a couple hours like, you know, playing characters in a fantasy world, you've got to be at least – know what's going enough to say, like, there's not going to be many people who say, like, oh, I'll give it a try. You know, what could possibly happen? You're going to get shot down pretty quick if they're not gamers. Like, it seems like yeah. you, it would be kind of an, in, uh, a tough set of circumstances that would land somebody at a table when they're not <laughs> ready to sign up for that in the first place. So, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on to the next one. Okay. The Ultimate Power Gamer. Oof. <laughs> okay, yeah. everyone's think, seen this guy, I think right? Everybody, yeah, everybody knows this guy. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows this guy. Yes. Uh, I'll give you the the description they say. Uh, the first sentence says, "You know these guys," <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. These are the guys you've been gaming with for the last twenty years. The ones that, despite having real lives now, never cease to deliver in trampling your finest adventure into diamond dust. If you hand these guys a set of dice and a rule book, they'll walk all over the campaign world, stuff it in a bag of holding, and rule the world in short order. <laughs> now, yeah, that's pretty uh that's pretty accurate. I ran into a lot of these when I was in college. Mm. Um, oh yeah. And you know, it would be so weird, you know, you're going to class, you're heading to a test, and all of a sudden somebody just comes running up to you and starts talking to you about this game session from the weekend and you know it takes you about two minutes to under to figure out what they're talking about first of all you know you're so out of context that you know you just gotta say save that for next friday we'll we'll deal with it then just <laughs> yeah you know leave me alone right now exactly but well, uh yeah they're they're out there i mean on one hand you know it's nice to have that kind of enthusiasm but uh to quote william shatner get a life <laughs> well, well, it, it's kind of like the old joke. How do you identify a power gamer? Oh, don't worry. They'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's true. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the remedy they have is destroy them, then back up the truck and do it again, just in case. Yes. <laughs> See, now, I'm not sure if that would be a valid remedy. Like, when I – okay, power gamers will totally wreck a mixed group, okay? Like, if you've got one oh, yeah. guy who's just completely overboard and then five guys that are just sort of in it for the pizza, then – you know, you're probably this guy is going to either just like wreck everything, or you know, for, for like everybody else is going to have a miserable time. But but if you can get all of them together into a session, like 
you know, get five power gamers together, it's it's kind of glorious. They have infinite patience for each other's little dinking about, and, and you know, it, it, as long as you scale up appropriately, I think it could work out pretty well. I Seriously. Would, I would say that's probably true for this entire list. You know, if, you, if your mm-hmm. entire group is on the same page, then I think it, it would work. The problem is when you have one person who's like any of these, um, yeah. you've got to do some tweaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, and, and I agree. I, you know, a power gamer has the potential. You just have to dial them back at a few notches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's easy to if you're a DM. I think there's a lot of like just sort of uh, you know, it, it's I don't say resentment, but yeah, you're like, oh god, here he comes, he's gonna wreck my story. <laughs> but like the truth is, this dude's committed. Like you gotta respect the power gamers in the sense that they come to the table and they're gonna deliver as a player. They're not gonna phone this stuff in because they've put too much time, like uber specking their cross class psionic plant grower guy to you know do whatever to they're they're not gonna phone it in. So what you have here yeah. is a DM is you've got a valuable resource of a player who's going to be in at 100%, 110%. And True. if you can make that work for you rather than against you, you know, uh, that could work out. And, you know, the other question I always get, I, I always have when I run into these types of players is why aren't they game mastering? Mm. You know, if because they, they have... want to build the biggest and baddest player. They don't want to be true. They want to, they want to have this, this, uh, min maxed, you know, multi-class to big, big baddie, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, and if they GM these players, it's, it's just going to end up in a TPK, <laughs> you know, every time. And they're afraid of running into players who are like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's to my understanding, power gamers don't like each other because oh, okay. it's always, it's always a competition. Good point. You know, if, if theirs isn't the biggest and baddest and somebody else in the parties is, you know, they're going to, they're going to be a little, a little aggravated, a little who's hurt about the, that. Who's got the highest DPS? Yeah, I guess I could see yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. But I can see the allure in the sense that when you read a book and you know you're you're into the setting, you're enjoying it. A lot of times you're like, oh, I could see how these combo well together. Or you're like, oh, this fits nicely to that. I wonder if you took this to an illogical extreme, how gross it could get. And I think mm-hmm. that's the path of madness that leads to power gaming. Yeah, yeah. That that takes, uh, you know, if you're playing Mass Effect. You know that that whole um, that whole skill and, and upgrade system. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a, a good precursor to power gaming. You know balancing that and and uh, you know kind of working that and that works with any you know video game RPG. You know they all have that skill tree kind of feel and and you know just balancing all of those. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Well, and I, I will say that certain games are more kind of predisposed to get power gamers, and the, the big factor mm. is how many books there are, basically. How much content is written for an <laughs> RPG. So, like, power gamers are going to be big into D&D and less big into, like, you know, whatever casual one-shot game you could come up with. Um, you know, that's kind of like garlic form, I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's actually kind of a good way to de-roll, you know, to, to derail a, a power gamer is say, okay, this week we're going to play, um, you know, Superhero High or something where you have, yeah. you know, mm. one stat and you roll it and, you know. Yeah. You will, yeah. And that kind of forces them to break off and, and just play the game. Or even if... Yeah, yeah, something something like Masks. Yeah. Yeah. 
if you if you all have heard of it, you know. Or if you like D and D, just say you know core books only. You know, you can you can put kind of arbitrary limits on it to make sure everybody has fun. In fact, that's... good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess there's that. Because if 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 somebody has eight books of this one system and you're playing this system and you say core books only, they're not going to be at the table. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so let's just say core books only <laughs> on all RPGs, just to get rid of any power game. Yes, <laughs> you'll find them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh huh. So the next one is the casual gamer. I would probably include myself in this this category. I I uh, think I'm there too. Yeah, you care enough to put together Mark's- a podcast, so. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something. That. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think this is where there's this is probably one of the best group or best things here because you you have potential. Um, there, there's a casual gamer with potential and the casual gamer who really doesn't care. Doesn't care, right? So yeah, that's you true. Can kind of divide this into two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's two ends of of probably any of these spectrums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and read their description of this. Uh, these are the people who vaguely remember gaming once, ten years ago. They didn't care for it enough to actually learn what they're doing, but they don't mind showing up and interfering with what you're uh, interfering with your games. Once every blue moon. Okay, uh, this isn't me. I no, no, not me. I take yeah. I take this back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the casual gamers tend to get bullied into playing by their friends, boyfriends, the GM, and then muck things up. Sometimes they'll even do well-meaning things, but with such incompetence and vagueness that the whole game or the other characters waste away into dragon compost. Wow! See, the, the, the description sounds a little bit more like the the hardcore non gamer that we talked about at the beginning. Yeah, I think I um, think either these guys really hate filthy casuals, or like their their version of the non gamer. <laughs> I think kind of jives up with the casual gamer description. Yeah, I think I think maybe the difference between that and the the uh, hardcore non gamer is they maybe they get into the rules and learn all the rules and then don't care after that. Yeah. Well, maybe this is just. This is probably just like a, a taxonomic kind of uh, distinction here, but I mean, I, I I do consider myself a casual gamer, and I certainly, you know, it's it's I'm 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 more invested than what they're describing here, um, but yeah. I'm also not like you know you know a rules lawyer. I don't own all the books or whatever. In general, though, I, I I'm more of a casual guy. I'm just I'm in it for a laugh, but I also want to see mm-hmm. what the game can give us. Yeah. yeah uh- Steve, if you have that article pulled up, look at the remedy, and that's what Mark and I are going to do. That's right. <laughs> Turn them to the dark side. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there we but go. I think, okay. I think that's really it. It's a matter of of inspiring them. You know, finding mm-hmm. finding the the spark that uh, that will inspire them to uh, lose that casual part of the description and uh, right enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are casual gamers, but have that potential, like you were saying, Mark, you know, they, they have the potential to evolve into a more hardcore gamer. Yeah. You know, 
And I think, I think we all, you know, all of us sitting here and all of us listening went through that phase. Of course. And, uh, and evolved into what we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say that if we're, if we're dividing all the people we played with into a pie chart, casual gamers is probably kind of the biggest chunk of the pie for me, at least. Um, like, I, I, you see more people at the table that are just, you know, they've, maybe they've read the core book and they're, they're into it, but they're not, like, frothing and, and you know, power gaming about it. I, I would say it's probably the healthiest uh, category on the, this list, too. Yeah, I'd agree. I would really agree. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a good middle ground between, you know, not caring at all or not knowing and hardcore gamers. Right. You know. Well, it might also give you the most flexibility as a DM to be running a group full of casual gamers because, you know, if they know vaguely about it but they don't have a lot of preconceptions and kind of – if they're not bringing a lot of their own goals slash baggage to the table, you can make whatever kind of story you want. You know, you can yes, really exactly. shape the whole session a lot easier. Very true. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And and as a GM that has had casual gamers or new, brand new players, I would definitely agree with that because it's it's easier to, um, I don't want to say mold the minds of, of these players, <laughs> but that's that's essentially what it is. You know, you're you're molding the minds of these new players, whereas if you had four or five very experienced, well-knowledge players, it's harder to get away with less detail or, you know, you know, if, if somebody knew everything about 7C and everything about the background and you said some story element that didn't make sense with one of the countries or one of the kings, something like that, you know, it would kind of go down in flames just because, oh, no, that's not how this goes. You know, that's kind of like the whole rules lawyer, which we'll most likely get into on this list. Oh, yeah. It gives you some more leeway with what you can do in the game, which is really helpful as a GM. I agree. Yes, that makes sense. But yeah, the uh, the remedy to that one is turn them to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> which is sensible. That just means, you know, get them more invested, get them more into the game, and, and yeah. everyone's going to have fun. See, exactly. Steve, that's that's why we adopted you into the family. This <laughs> is the master plan. Okay. That's right. Indoctrination. And I'm sure you already know this. <laughs> can, why do you think we're talking about getting a game together? I'm comfortable <laughs> with this. I, I, there's this. That works for me. I can handle that. Nice. Uh, all right. The next one is the experienced rules lawyer. Yeah, I, I said it. There rules it is. lawyer. Mm-hmm. This is to me. This is almost as bad as the power gamers. They're very similar. Yeah, in different. It, they're similar because of how they make you feel, but they're they're different in how they act. Yeah, but again, they can be useful if reined in. Yeah, I'm not okay. Maybe you can explain the distinction between what's a, the difference between a rules lawyer and a power gamer. Like, like it seems like they're the same person to me. Let's let's go ahead and read the description. Okay. These players are often former or, or current GMs who think the rules of the game are actually there for a reason. <laughs> the difference between a rules lawyer and a power gamer, haha, here's your answer, <laughs> is that power gamers think rules get in the way and rules lawyers actually like them. 
These players often have a thorough understanding of the rules, but with a complete lack of ability to implement them properly in their own games. Hmm. I think the, the big dis- the big di- difference here is the power gamer will only complain about rules when you're applying them to them, whereas the yeah. l- rules lawyer will jump into a th- you know two other players discussing to impose their version of the rules. He actively sabotage yeah, their attempts to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Let's be honest. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's uh, rules it's... versus rules not going how they like it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of that in the same sense, but one is personal preference or aggravation because, you know, that your player can't do this specific thing. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, with the rules lawyer, it's these the rules you're saying are wrong, and I know that they're right. Yeah. It's kind of thing. They, they know... <laughs> they know too much for their own good. <laughs> let's, yes. Just, yes. let's just say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can see how I can see how somebody who's run a game like former GMs would be kind of predisposed to fall into this category. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when when we did our seventh C game, it was you know I I found myself kind of stopping a lot and, and saying no, this is Zach's game. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not the GM, and you know staying out of the the decisions and the the ways he was doing stuff for exactly this reason. Mm-hmm. The, the, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, every GM has their house rules, their versions of the rules, their approaches, and that's what works for them. That's why they do it that way. So, you know, when I game master, I'm going to be a little bit different. That's good. That's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or sometimes, in my case, the uh, lack of knowledge of the actual rules. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That that was the, the our first our uh, our first session, mm-hmm. and uh, I admit I don't I didn't know the rules as well as I probably should have. But we just jumped in. Yeah. You know, I don't I didn't care. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to tell a story, and we did. And and that's that's kind of my mantra. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that if I don't understand the rules, I'll either make something up or figure it out. But but ultimately, it's about you know having fun and, and telling a story. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a, a category in here about that that I'll uh, I'll probably get to eventually. <laughs> probably. Um, but the remedy to this one is ignore the rules, just plain and simply. That's fair. Ignore them, uh, ignore them or impor, Im, impose house rules that that twist things and. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So do what do what I do. Yeah. Well, I, I think the house the the only house rule you really need is house rule. The DM's rules are final. And you yes. know, whatever whatever the DM yeah. says goes, like that's really the only thing that's urgently required. But, but that's kind of an unspoken truth. That that should just be It should be know, an unspoken truth. <laughs> there Sometimes we go. you gotta there speak go. these things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I um I don't know if I told you guys about this, but in my uh my play by post on, on my game, I'm I'm running a and D fifth edition game. Yeah. At the very beginning, you know, I, I gave them a, a a pretty general synopsis, went into a few details about, you know, about the continent they were going to, about the continent they came from, uh, just some basic, you know, layout of of location and, and backstory. And uh, 
I, I get, get I kept getting messages from this one player uh, who's not not with us anymore. I had mm. to I had to be the mean GM and I had to <laughs> kill him. Yeah. Him <laughs> uh. But um, uh, he was just like, hey, you know my my significant other is is a a king in can 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 he be a king in this continent? And I'm like, well, that, that's kind of not because. The the story around this is uh, the continent they're going to is overrun by undead, and it's almost like an, uh. an, an apocalypse kind of situation. I was like, well, first off, you know, it really wouldn't fit. It wouldn't be fitting because there, what what would he be a king of? Peasants, uh, undead, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And second off, you know, I said no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like. And I said it would kind of give you like uh, a uh, step up above the players if if you needed to quote unquote go somewhere and get help or you know it would it would give you an unfair advantage you know and then they kept arguing about oh oh this wouldn't do this and this wouldn't do that and why can't you do this and I'm like this isn't gonna work <laughs> yeah you know it's like arguing with the GM to a point is fine you know about <laughs> like a specific rule set or you know not understanding something. But telling them, hey, you need to change your setting so my character can have this, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. Sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would. <laughs> You're trying to be nice, aren't you, Mark? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Are you biting your tongue? Right now? <laughs> oh, man. All right, to the to the next one. We'll get off that heated topic. <laughs> uh, the next one is role player. Uh -huh. Simply enough, next to non-existent, I wouldn't say they're non-existent. Nah. Let's argue about that real quick. No, <laughs> <laughs> next to non-existent, role players are among the few of an endangered species which actually has their head screwed on straight and play RPGs to role play. Uh -huh. Okay, I, I would get that. Like, they're just, you know, straight-up yeah. role-playing. Yeah. When they're young, they tend to get trampled by the power gamers. That's that's true. Uh -huh. When they're old, they tend to have lives and better things to do. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, because their proper judgment and common sense, they make great world leaders and poor long-term gamers. <laughs> <laughs> Such players will, will often complain about the antics of the other players while missing 95% of the campaign because of work and other priorities. Yes. That's a very specific example. Though. I think they had this somebody in mind when they uh, wrote this <laughs> yeah. one. I don't know, man. I, I could definitely agree with that. But um, what's their remedy for that? Force them to roll the die occasionally and fight things. Otherwise... There's not much, not much you can do with them. I mean, this must be specific examples with have with with like D and D and Pathfinder and stuff like that. You know, back when there weren't these storytelling games. Mm -hmm. that, that I think didn't that's worry I think about. that's partly true too. Yeah, but I think more of what they're saying is these are the healthy people who just have lives. Yeah. Um, is you know, it like? I like. I think uh, you mentioned role playing. I assume that what they're getting at here is somebody who's actually in character, who's thoroughly committed to the whole thing. I thought that's what the angle that they're 
they're trying to yeah, bring I, here. I think it's I think it's somebody that's more like me. Like if I was playing a super tactical game, I wouldn't care about the rules as much. Yeah, and I would just I would just want to role play and tell the story. You know, I think that's what they're kind of getting at. I think so too. Because because yeah, like in my fifth edition games, you know, I've I've adapted it somewhat to be more of a storytelling game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before I I found out about these storytelling games. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just adapted and didn't do my research, but uh-huh. you know, if they want to do something, I I have them play it out in character. You know, what would your character say? Don't don't roll a charisma check. Like, see how well you do in the conversation in this moment, right? And and I'll I'll kind of adapt it from there. And if you need to roll a die, I'll tell you to roll. Yes. So I think it's it's more of that. It's more of people want to rely more on their ability to act uh-huh. than than the fate of the dice. Right, which you know, it, which really is is pretty healthy, but mm-hmm. you know, on the other hand, the reason that you're playing a role playing game is for the the action sequences that can't be role played. I mean, if you just wanted to play a bunch of uh, Jewish guys sitting around at a deli, you don't need any rule books for that. You can just get a bunch of people to sit around and just talk about kids today, you know, or something. But if you're going to be having action sequences, we kind of talked about the beginning, you know, in one of our early podcasts, role-playing is ultimately kids playing cops and robbers saying, bang, bang, I got you. What is the mechanic for determining whether I actually got you or not? Yeah, exactly. So the rules are for the parts that you can't role-play. And I I, I guess role-playing games are kind of like pornography. Everyone's really there for the sex scenes, but a good good movie has some plot to it as well. So get some story in there. I, okay. Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Discuss. I never I never thought Mark would go that deep into it. That's right. Mr. Philosophy. Oh, Bring it around to porn, but you do you do have a you do have a good point about that. You know, it's it's uh, about the action, not the not the role playing. Well, or not the, the role not playing. The, the role playing yeah, is an enhancement I, I that, that, that brings so much to it. You know that that's that yeah. gives it the real flavor. That's the you know you know the, you know, the it, other, adds, it adds that immersion. That yeah, I, th- I other, think it goes back to that. You know, going the other extreme of just rolling dice is missing the point too. So, you mm-hmm. know, you, you want some blend and you want, you want both. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say that like actual role players, people that come to the table in character and they're like, I mean, really committed it, committed. Uh-huh. It's, it's something I haven't had a whole, whole lot of, you know, experience with. I mean, everybody's like, okay, here's my character. Here's what I do. But like, it seems like in, for whatever reason, the games that I get involved in, tend to not have a lot of people that are like, I mean, fully, you know, committed to it. Like, um, when I listened to the, the, the seven C podcast that you guys did, everybody's in character, everybody's really selling it. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's usually with, in my experience from the games I've, I've played in, it's been, you know, more of a casual side, you know, it's like, okay, my guy will do this, but no one really gets into character. And I think that's, that's really kind of what the difference is. Um, and I'd, I'd like to be more into the role play side of it. I think that's a really cool thing. Cool. 
Welcome of, to Seventh Sea. That's right. <laughs> of, of course, the extreme, just... the extreme to this is live action role play. Mm, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, that's yeah. when you really get the, uh, you know, the, the serious. That, that full experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think with the example of our Seventh Sea playthrough, you know, I physically went to the Seventh Sea subreddit looking for people. So I mean it was it was people who are already invested in the game and and already already know that that's the kind of game that this is. Yeah. That and you know when I you know pitched the podcast they all had the idea in their head this is going to be for entertainment. This is going to be acting, you True. know. So so I think I think playing for acting will have – it does. It has a different mindset than sitting at the table with a couple beers and, and pizza, you know? Mm-hmm. And part, part of it too, interestingly enough, is playing online, I think, because mm-hmm. you're very much focused on describing the scene and, and projecting it with just what you're saying as opposed to you – know, yeah, if you're at yeah, the table, I, you can you know, make hand gestures and you know do stuff that – that might be less less theatrical, right? Yeah, you have to kind of overestimate that that amount of, you know, what kind of inflection you use in your voice, what kind of tone you have. Mm-hmm. It just helps get your point across a little bit better since there isn't that visual cue, right? And I, I, which is, and I think that you hit the nail on the head there. The word that's the big distinction is acting. Like people who come to the table and act, they're role players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You know, and with Mark and I having that, that past in, in the theater, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're, we're included in that, in that, uh, that category. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. Th- I think, fair. I think okay. we all have several categories that we kind of fit into, but, you know, ultimately a player isn't going to be, unless they're a power gamer or rules lawyer, they're not going to be one of these specific categories. True. You know? true mm-hmm. and the other thing I, I will say is i think if it, especially role playing but probably a lot of these it feeds off each other if you have one one or two players who are are heavy into the role playing that's going to suck the other players into doing more role yeah. playing yeah yeah hmm. peer pressure <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> a little bit not i mean well, not, not entirely peer not pressure just, but not just peer pressure but just if if I if I turn to Steve and say my character um, uh, introduces himself, he's gonna his natural instinct is gonna be I introduce myself. But if I turn to Steve and say I'm Nathaniel Marlowe from Avalon, how are you doing today? He's more likely to respond in character. Right. That's true. Oh, most definitely. You know, it's it's kind of a yes and thing with. With uh, improv, exactly right. You know, it's it's kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, to the next one, game crushers. Oh, that sounds good. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, that sounds good. It's <laughs> <laughs> dramatic. Let's, yeah. let's see. Let's see. <laughs> uh, these players don't so much play games as abuse them. Oh no! Oh no! It's Pathfinder all over again. Oh boy. Uh, while a power gamer seeks power to dominate the game and then roleplay happily, a game crusher frantically seeks 
frantically seeks power and ways to abuse the system with no clear end goal in sight, except perhaps to finish off the campaign universe and tell it was uh, and tell it as a war story. These players offer tend to brag about loopholes in famous computer video RPG card games. Yeah, it's Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, to the same extent, normal people often shake their heads at them. <laughs> Game crushers like controversial systems and would probably rather be beating you 15 times in a row with a broken magic card deck than playing an RPG. So, yeah. So this would be like a player who, when you throw a really powerful monster at you, Adam, takes it out in one blow? Would that be... Are you talking about Steve? Are you... <laughs> <laughs> no names. This no reminds names. me of Steve. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, there's a name. There's a name. It reminds me of Steve. <laughs> I, I, I plead the... F- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's... I, I plead the fifth. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there at the time. He was just on the ground when I found him. <laughs> well, see, now, so I, I would I would tend to attribute that more to power gaming than anything else. Like that's you know if you want to like completely min max your guy and, and yeah, he didn't do ridiculous points of damage. Really, I think that was more of a I don't know my own strength type thing. That was you know, actually was a, it yeah. wasn't a deliberate. You know, Let's go t- accidental power gaming. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's basically what it was. And it, it, by the way, for what it's worth, it was not like a one-man show. Everybody in the group was like, okay, I've got these <laughs> ridiculous really skills that we can use to give him successes. And mm-hmm. it was just when the successes started piling up over time, um, <laughs> it, it got to be a little bit creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and yeah, there was, oh, there was one giant undead monstrosity and it may have died in the first hit (laughs) (laughs) but just just coincidentally i was walking past him you know my sword accidentally hit him he fell over (laughs) broke a couple ribs i mean he just died correlation (laughs) is not causation okay (laughs) (laughs) to be fair i had a very similar situation i I was playing role master once and Mm -hmm. i just gotten this spiffy new magic whip but I tried in- intimidating this guy, and he burst into flames and, and exploded. <laughs> and I had no idea. <laughs> oh, it's kind of a hard one to explain to the cops. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> when your intimidation roll results in, like, spontaneous combustion, then you're doing something <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Well, I think that game crushers are actually more, if, if we're talking about this as a player type, more predispositioned to play non-RPGs. Like, tabletop RPGs, I don't think really lend themselves to game crushers because you have a DM that can step in and say, nope, that's not how it works regardless of what you read in that book. Um, yeah. Game crushers, I see a lot of in tabletop gaming, okay? There's always somebody at the table who, you'll you'll start playing a game, okay? And they will do the exact opposite of whatever it is you're, you know, supposed to do. So they're the guys that will always, they'll take all the negative points and all the penalties and everything else in the world, and at the end of the game, they'll flip a card that turns the penalties into some sort of bonus in an attempt to kind of try to circumvent the entire mechanics of the game. Um, yeah. And that's not uncommon to see. Same thing, Magic was big on this because, you know, there's a lot of, like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of uh, infinite combos in Magic that you can use just to, like, you know, whatever, completely break any kind of system they may have. Mm-hmm. 
um, without any kind of recourse. And uh, like, I, I definitely think this is more of a mechanics type thing. And I think it's, it's probably more of a, like these people, they're going to be playing video games and they're going to be playing tabletop RP or like board games and probably not so much, you know, pen and paper RPGs. Mm-hmm. Unless you're playing Pathfinder. Unless you're playing Pathfinder, it sounds like. <laughs> I've never played Pathfinder, so this sounds like a nightmare <laughs> to me. Yeah, because Pathfinder has so much out there. Okay. You know, it, it it's like there's there's so many core books, and then there are so many updates to those core books. Uh-huh. You mm-hmm. know, but like once they're updated, you know, even if it takes something away, these people still use the old stuff. You know, so I mean, I've I've heard people and experienced people that that have exploited the game in in such ways to uh, to do 300 damage and oh. on an attack, you know. It's just, it, it's meant to, you know, they need to be war gaming. They need to be miniature gaming, you know. Well, I don't see the distinction between that and the power gamers up top. Like, it seems like that's kind of, those two are sort of yeah. <laughs> shades on a scale. Yeah. The ult- the ultimate difference between it is power gamers do it to better their player, game crushers do it to purposely undermine the game. Okay, yeah. So they they have different mindsets. Um, you know, one's more focused on the selfish ability to do their best. You know, in any way possible. You know, when it comes to the rules, yeah. that would be the power gamers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, having these players do it to be, you know, jerks, you know? Yeah. I mean, because they can exploit the game. You know, I wouldn't say power gaming is exploiting. I would say power gaming is very intense strategy. Yeah. And planning. I think game, game crushing kind of has for role-playing games, at least like Steve said, it has a, a defense mechanism built into it in that it's ultimately the game master is making up the rules. Right. So it, it's not. I don't think it's nowhere anywhere near as common in role playing games as it is in, in other games. And, and even their description talks about more about computer video RP, you know, card games and RPGs and stuff. Right. So uh, I, th- I think those are more common there. Right, because you know, in, in systems like that that aren't tabletop RPGs that have a GM sitting in front of you, you know, there are set rules and. Mm-hmm. There's no way that a person can change those rules to get back at that person, you know, because yeah. the uh, the remedy for this one is return the favor. You're the GM, so you should have no trouble crushing them. You know, you can ultimately change a rule or get this super big baddie that has 3000 health or yeah. whatever, you know, just this ultimate uh, ability to be a deity that crushes anyone who opposes him, you know, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> well, see, I um, worry about that in a mixed group though, because like, if you have like a huge monster to handle your huge game crushing power gamer player, then the other guys at the table are going to feel a little bit left out. They're like, okay, so we're just what here to take pictures. Like, you know, it's, it, you... you're here to watch him die. <laughs> <laughs> Witness this. <laughs> Just give them some popcorn and they'll be happy. Well, yeah, actually, exactly. yeah, if they're that much of a pain, I guess everybody's going to be on board. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that player, you know, that being an italics, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's that player. Yeah. So the next one is sticklers. Um, these guys are like rules lawyers, but with no clear agenda. 
while a rules lawyer seeks loopholes like a crooked lawyer, a strict uh, a stickler simply supports rules like a jumped up traffic cop. What? Like a, okay. What? <laughs> simply supports rules like a jumped up traffic cop. Yeah, that's really what it says. Yeah, okay. Don't know what that don't don't, don't know what that last don't, thing is. Don't be but, a stickler uh, about terminology, Zach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hey, there's there's difference between sticklers and grammar Nazis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I am a grammar Nazi, not a stickler. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, but uh, sticklers have their place. They do. I agree. Well, uh, it it helps games go smoother. Yeah. You know, I but, would um, I would say as long as they're they they have some uh, social skills and how they're presenting the uh, rule stickling, if mm-hmm. they can do it in a civil manner, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Right, absolutely. I don't know. I can see how that'd be frustrating because, like, I mean, if you're trying to build atmosphere and tell a story, the last thing you want is somebody, like, you know, arguing about how to set the campfire or whatever whatever tiny little, you know, minutia. And, like, you know, the, the rolling the dice part isn't usually the interesting part to most people. So I can see how this could, mm-hmm. could throw a wrench in a campaign pretty quickly. But once again, well, almost mean, all role-playing games start off with the caveat that the game master is ultimately in charge. So, I mean, the number one rule is... Game master says so. Mm, there you go. Right, and and if if you look down and read the remedy, you know if you're a player, quit the game and GM your own. But if you're the GM, you know if if they're players, simply simply overrule them, you know because you you're the one that is essentially making the rules. But yeah, there there are both good and bad sticklers. Just because you know sticking with the rules, whatever rules are determined, is a good thing. You know, but but if if they're sticking to just the book rules and not paying attention to what the GM says, you know, I don't. That's that's kind of where the problem comes up. You know, right? Yeah, they're they're reading all the rules in the book to a T, but the GM has also given you a page and a half of of things that he's changing, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't care about those. Yes, you know, but that that's just a, a good good situation, bad situation kind of thing. The next one is realists. These players think the more realistic a game system is, the better. The often they they often never get tired of promoting their favorite <laughs> quote unquote realist system, and its uh, and its varied merits. However, they completely miss the ballpark on the grounds that RPGs are a load of horkum, <laughs> and that the and and that's the way most of us like it. You're playing a game, for cripes' sake. It's not real life. (laughs) Uh, These kind of players would argue that Mario can jump too high to be realistic. Oh, God. (laughs) And he should suffer more wounds for falling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think we all know a couple realists out there. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's been many a nights where, you know, the big argument over whatever stupid thing involved, you know, no, that wouldn't have happened, there's not enough room for that, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, that that seems like a pain. Sure, but we're also playing in a world that magic exists. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in, in theater, there's a term called um, 
willing suspension of disbelief. Okay. Yes. And I think that's exactly what this is kind of referring to is you're sitting down, you're rolling dice to see if you can jump a chasm. You're, you're kind of making a willing, willing jump to say that that equals, you know, something that you're really just spewing out of your mouth. Um, on the other hand, right. I will, I will say I, I've suffered a little bit of this, especially when I played uh, D and D third edition in that if things are too stupid, it can jar you out of that uh, suspension of disbelief. You know, mm -hmm. like having a game master tell me, I can't grab a, a rope and swing from it unless I know how to tie knots. Hmm? Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those, I, I have absolutely no skills in anything, but I could grab a rope and jump and swing from it. Maybe not well. Mm -hmm. But but to tell me that I can't physically grab a rope and jump because of some right. because of some rule is, is kind of breaking that realism, you know, to some degree. Yeah, at, at that point, that would be you know, if the character doesn't think, oh, I can't tie ropes, I can't do this, then don't do that. You know, then then you can't do that. That's it. Move on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if so. I mean, it would be a thing of, you know, if the character is a super realist, let the character do super realist things, you know, when it comes to actions. Right. Yeah. I mean, allow the, allow the players some common sense in terms of what they can and can't do, or at least try to do. Because otherwise you're getting too far into everything's a rule and you have to know the rules to, to participate. Um you know, you, you should be able to do some sort of, you know, for role-playing sake. You yeah. You need to be able to mm -hmm. put yourself into a situation and role-play it um, and then translate that into rules. Yeah, it's like artistic license, mm -hmm. essentially. Just That's It's true. like it's, it's for the story. <laughs> Whether you think you can do it or not, you have the ability to. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's what I feel. And you because... might fail. You might, you know, that, that's obviously an option. <laughs> right. But, but to say what, what can, to, to transform reality because of rules is, is a little bit too far the other way. Right. I think immersion and reality are, or immersion in realists, realism mm -hmm. is, is a, a, a they're completely different, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think these realists think that they're the same thing. Being immersed is making it as real as possible. True. True. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> but the remedy for this is, is probably my favorite. It says point to the little plastic metal men and say very slowly, not real. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. That makes sense. But yeah, I think realists have their place in the world, but I don't think it's in tabletop RPGs. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. But that's my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the rules of an RPG can't account for everything. I mean, typically, and most of the time they don't mm -hmm. try. So, like, if you've got a DM that's that's fairly off the cuff and, and 
able to like you know it's the the D book says you know clerics can't have edge weapons well it, it gives a vague reason why but if there were a situation where a cleric needed to pick up a sword the dm shouldn't be in a position to say nope book said you can't touch it like i mean yeah. if you do it maybe you lose your powers maybe there's consequences yeah. but you know being or, able to roll with that in a well setting it you know basically to to take the the current situation and, and wrap it around the framework of the world is what makes it you know real to most people or at yeah, least and or at least make that a real situation. Okay, what happens if a cleric does reach down for an edged weapon? Does it burn his hand? Is it like Thor's hammer? He can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, what, exactly. You know, don't just say there's a rule that says you can't do that because yeah. I have a waist. I can bend. I have I have opposable thumbs. I can grab it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I can physically do this one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's you what know. the difference between RPGs is, where you know you can do anything, and even if you're you know, game forces prevent you to, or, or actions, you know, say it's not a good idea. You you have the option to try everything, as opposed mm-hmm. to video games, where there's, you know, invisible walls and barriers and mechanics that prevent you from right. literally doing whatever you can think of. Exactly. Right. Yeah, something something like, uh, uh, you know, anything, any RPG with a, with a class in a video game, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, an example comes to mind, Dark Souls 3, you know. Okay. It's, it's where, like, if you're a specific class... Like maybe some shields or some some weapons, you know, you can't use this. It, it has those that that text uh-huh. on the on the the physical screen in front of you that says you cannot use this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can, <laughs> yeah. but maybe you. Can. I mean, unless it's like a, a magic staff or a you know something like that. You know, that would be understandable. But again, but you like could a you different play- kind of sword. You could play that out. You could play. I can pick up the staff. I can yeah. wave it around, but it doesn't do anything. Exactly. You know, exactly. There, there's a there's a real real world quote unquote, <laughs> you know, explanation or a way of presenting that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's an ultimate amount of flavor text you could you could add to anything. Yes. You know that. You know, and that's uh, that's GM discretion and GM power mm-hmm. that uh, that you can add those things. Yeah. You know, you can instead of just saying you can't you can't use that. Right. I mean, why? Like you, you explain a situation, yeah, and so, and that's that's a, another reason I love RPGs. You can do that, you know. If you if you don't want people to go a specific direction, I, I'm not saying you you need to player wrangle, but you know if you don't want them doing a specific thing, you know there's there's flavor text that goes around that. You know, I I had a, a an example from a campaign I, I ran four or five years ago, um, that uh there was this this magical um darkness that was uh stopping anybody from seeing below it mm. you know mm-hmm. okay and even even if a player rolled a 20 you know there was going to be this flavor text that explained why they couldn't see past it or why they couldn't see what was in there great you know and so that's that's an ulti- ultimately what you can do as a gm to stop those things from happening you know yeah in in that specific case, that was something that they couldn't see until a later time. Mm-hmm. You know, they were up on top of a balcony in a prison. You know, this yeah. prison was like on the second, third floor or something like that. And there was there was a, a a level below them, and the middle of their floor was a, a big empty square with all this magical darkness that you couldn't mm-hmm. see past. Right. So I mean, it was it was a something they'll find at a later time that you don't necessarily need to know five minutes into the the first session of this campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think it's entirely yeah. up to the DM to be the one that makes <clears throat> the scenario real. 
Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just saying you can't do that to the players. Like, that's the lazy way out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's an element here of there, there, there is the real world. There's also the world that's being created within the game. Um, if you're playing D and D, it's a world where magic is real, but what you're doing is by, by being, by using consistent examples, you're creating a realism within there that gives your players a common, uh, common standpoint of, knowing what to expect and how to deal with things. So in that sense, that kind of realism or realist can help a game. Uh, and I think that ties into the next category. I think Because the right. next category is authors slash actors. Uh, these players and GMs think they're creating a quote-unquote world with lifelike quote-unquote characters. <laughs> They they think their setting is better than anything on the published market, and their acting ability is up there with Johnny Depp. <laughs> that what are you saying? Uh, I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when not embarrassing the group with cheap theatrics, they're building their awesome quote unquote worlds, complete with elaborate backgrounds. They force you onto. They are they force on you. While having good acting and writing skills can improve your game, uh, your game no end. What? Okay. Uh, Taking things too far uh, can quickly suck the life out of a game, quote unquote. Did you hear me? Game. Not novel. Not screenplay. Game. And now that can be argued heavily. This person does not like storytelling games at all. Sound <laughs> like, yeah. <clears throat> well, so uh, so I I recently had a conversation with Jim McClure, uh-huh. and uh, Jim McClure argues has always argued and will always argue for the rest of his life. Uh, tabletop RPGs are the highest form of art known to mankind, and I yeah. agree with him uh-huh. completely because you know this person obviously doesn't like storytelling games or doesn't like the story aspect of a game. He likes something like, I don't know, fourth edition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) but you know, it's just like it just because it's a game doesn't mean you can't tell a story. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean you can't create this elaborate world and you can't, you know, that's kind of what I hear he's arguing. I think it's more of a case of, um, First of all, being inflexible with, you know, like for example, your backstory. Um, you know, that's one thing is I, I have this all this stuff, you know, compiled and, and I thought out and somebody comes in here with something else. Well, that won't fit my worldview. So, mm. you know, we can't do that. Um, and I also think I see this more game masters get so involved with I've created this my own role playing game with my own universe and you know here is all of all of this um and then all the players are left kind of catching up to what they're doing whereas something like 7c that has a very very thorough universe set in place or D has has several worlds pathfinder has mm-hmm. set universes that if you're willing to use those and and incorporate your stories into that everybody can be a part of it but if you get too far into my own vision of what this is 
then that excludes the other players. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something I've done that you both know, uh, is I include the players in the storytelling in the, in the, mm-hmm. the world building, yep. mm-hmm. you know, I usually, you know, take a session, you know, session zero and we build characters. We, we, some kind of something like fate does. Yeah. You know, if, if you read any of that fate core book, yep. but, um, you know, you, you build the world, you build your characters together, not just mm-hmm. like, Hey, go build a character, come back. And three people made a fighter. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's just, you know, creating this world that will balance things more and involve the players in the story writing and the, and the, um, the storytelling. You know, and and I think that's something more people should do because, yeah. you know, I I briefly told you all the story of my, my recent encounter at the local game store. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But, but um, that was a situation where this person has has run and worked on this active campaign, this essentially living campaign for 20 years. And it has absolutely no room for flex. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I told more of the story with my on my interview with with Chris uh, last week. Yeah, and uh, and but I mean, the GM side of that was something that that had zero room for flex, had no room for any creative license with the players. Right. You know, it's just it's pretty much. Hey, this is what's happened, and go and do this, and come back. Yeah, I yeah. think I've, I've been was, in a campaign like that before. Yeah, it's it's not. Fun. And I think we all have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all have. Sure, you know, and and I think that discourages uh, new players or any players really, uh-huh. because unless you have that exact same mindset, which I'm going to make a guess and say not a lot of people do, you know you don't want to just play through the chapters of this already written book. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to change this story. You don't want to just be a pawn. Right. That's, and that's the whole point of, of role-playing. Otherwise you yeah. just sit around and read a book. Exactly. Well, and, exactly. Watch a movie. And that read said, I think, I think the GM needs to be open to that interaction because I mean, that's what makes any kind of great setting, great world, uh, really shine. It's not just like, okay, here's my awesome setting. It's amazing. It looks great under glass. The, I mean, the thing that makes it pop is like actual, like unexpected things that happen. Like suddenly the player showed up and, you know, killed off some really important guy or whatever. You know, that that's mm-hmm. a chance for new and unusual things so to add some dynamicism to, um, you know, a, a really, you know, an existing uh, environment. You know, it, it uses an opportunity to kind of like build your own creation if you're that into it. Right. And that I think the ability to write the story collectively or collaboratively mm-hmm. allows more people to experiment with the idea of being GMs Good you know, point. And, and, and being authors and being artists and being all this different creative mind driven things. You know, when I talked with Chris this last week, you know, his whole thing is inspiring creativity. You know, that's why they made 1000 XP. That's why they built this company mm-hmm. because that's what they're about. They want people to go out and do these creative things. And I think, I think more people need to be, we need to have that flexibility and have that ability to 
uh, allow people to be more creative yes. and influence this world more because ultimately if it's not collaborative what is it that's a good point it's true see there's see there's no answers <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i i don't like this remedy the the remedy for for this last one says none just try to remind them this is a game they're playing even if they are writing the novel or playing playing the star in transformers 10 like uh, i mean that can be that can be argued with critical role mm-hmm. they're all voice actors they are all actors yeah but that that's not a that's not a thing with them i i would say only one well, and the first word of the remedy is none but i would say that's really only comes into play if it becomes an issue if right. you know Somebody, if somebody else, if most of the players are not having a good time because one player is, you know, trying to do Shakespeare and, and everybody else is, <laughs> you know, feeling intimidated by that and, 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 you know, it's discouraging most of the group, then mm-hmm. maybe say, you know, try and find a middle ground. Well, I, I right. do think this would be a very challenging one for GMs to work around because on one hand, like the last thing you want to do is to p- discourage any player's enthusiasm. Like if they come exactly. to the table with too much enthusiasm, you know, uh, you, you don't want to, you don't want to crap on that. But on the yeah. other hand, you know, if it is, if it's driving everybody else nuts, it's driving everybody else nuts. So you, it's, it's kind of a kid glove situation. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to kind of, you're not going to be able to brute force your way around that. <laughs> well, another, uh, approach to this might be, you know, like I say, if you do have, you know, one or two players who are more this way, maybe get them to work with the other players a little bit more to help them develop their, their own acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, this is more of a, of a, a situation where the GM would be more like this. You know, I, I don't think it would be more, more players because how could the players, you know, I mean, essentially this is acting, you know, this is role-playing. This is because it, it sounds, it almost sounds like they're discouraging acting and role-playing games, Mm -hmm. which is by definition, what's what role-playing is. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. how could this be turned on the players? Like, uh, I mean, yeah. they're acting too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, so it is possible. I I have seen, you know, times where say, you know, a, a player gets extremely focused on one aspect of his character or hmm. I don't know, a boat or a collection of firearms or just something off the top of my head. But yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, where, where at some point it's sort of like, okay, we get it. You can do what you want. You can have what you want. Let's just move on because it, it's not right. really germane to what's going on at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That, that is a good that point. That would be that would be um, interjecting different uh, or, or including different things that don't matter within the campaign. Yes, yeah. you know, but that would that would just be including more character traits to your character. I would think. But it's it's more of a uh, I think more of what Steve's talking about is, is have all that acting and, and backstory and stuff, but don't lose the the general plot line of what's That's going true. on. Mm-hmm. If the entire party is, is going off to fight a dragon, don't talk about how you're going to go to your castle and, and, you know, build up the fortifications, you know, stay with the, right. stay with the group, stay with the story, you know, right. be, be a part of the group. 
Well, and it's, yeah. it's good that your character has that background skill, whatever it is that's, that's into it, and you don't mm-hmm. lose it, but only, like, like bring it up, Take wait until the story turns around to where that's immediately germane to actually yes. let us all know about it. Don't, you know, break the flow and say, and in other news, guess what I got, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think this category is really referring more to the author side of it. You know, don't yeah. don't try writing stuff that's not fitting with with the group or the the game master or, or anything else. Um, or if you are doing it, keep it loose enough that you can go with the flow and and adapt it as necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I think a a, a good uh, solution to that is be flexible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, to the next and final topic, number 10, hardcore question mark. <laughs> I don't know why they – I don't know why they have a, a question mark here. Hmm. Well, the description on this one says, some players aren't power gamers. They're not actors or novelists either. They're certainly not casual gamers because they've been showing up to your games for weeks without problems. These players are scattered across the board from – Guy who sits in the corner and says nothing. Girl who makes stacks of D4s. To the ever-present guy who always plays a wizard. And, of course, there's always the gal who likes to play a magic item crafter, even when you're playing a hard (laughs) sci-fi game (laughs) set in the year 4515. These are the players that make gaming great. You can't fit them into a ready pigeonhole. They're a blend of everything and nothing at the same time. They do weird things, and that's what we love about them. Really? We're all a bit of a question mark? Hmm. I think I would rename this category from hardcore question mark to just plain gamers. Like, it seems like that's what they're getting at. Yeah, I mean, it would would be a uh, committed... Just committed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would kind of be the thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, based on the description, I mean, part of it is is committed. But on the other hand, the examples they use are people that aren't really being fully involved. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's more people who have their quirks and, and have the things that makes them different. Well, of course. You know? Yeah, that, that, yeah, at, that at makes the, sense. At the gaming table, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I would just say gamers. Say us. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah this yeah. is the category we fit into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the kind you of know? the catch-all, the everybody else. Yeah. And the, the remedy for this is great. It says none. Don't try to fix people. They'll just hit you over the head with a giant, fluffy D6. <laughs> okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> you you guys don't have plushy D6s on, on, your, on your couches? I, I don't. Not anymore, no. <laughs> Not anymore. I love I love that answer. <laughs> I've got a big foam Cthulhu D12, but that's as close as I come. That'll work. Oh, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, that that or they'll use those uh, those car mirror dice as nunchucks. Oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, you know, either or, either or. It's yeah. it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> <laughs> or D six of one, D twelve of another. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I think I think uh we all fit into this category, you know. I mean even even as someone, you know, like Steve who hasn't 
played all that much, you know, as, as much as Mark and I have, or as, as much as Mark has, I haven't <laughs> played all that much. Let's be honest. Okay. But, uh, I, I think, you know, it, you can't describe this category. I think that's what they're saying. Yeah. You can't, you can't label this. It's uh-huh. just who we are. You know, we're, we're gamers. Yeah. Yeah. They're the people who show we're, up. Yeah, I'm we're sense. RPG players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we're we're here for the RPG. We're here for we're here for things for different reasons. You know, and and those reasons are okay. You know, I might be here to to be more tactical, or you might be here to tell a story. Uh-huh. That's fine. We're we're all here to game, and we're all here to have fun. Even those people that just come to eat pizza and drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're we're playing a game. We're having fun. As Chris says, inspiring creativity. Yes. That's what it's because all about. Ultimately, that's what this hobby, this, this, uh, it's not a hobby anymore. It's a lifestyle. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's what this life, it's what this lifestyle really encourages. It's what it does. <laughs> and I think down the line as, you know, more people join this lifestyle, you know, different there there will be maybe twenty, thirty different game styles down the line. You know, oh, player sure. styles. And and like you said before, I I think everybody is kind of a combination of several of these types. Yeah, right. You yeah. might have one more. You know, some people might be more dominant in one or the other, but really, we're a combination. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that last category is pretty much saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it should be a, uh, you know, a kind of end all saying we're all different. We're mm-hmm. all, we all have these game styles that may not fit into these categories specifically. Right. Maybe a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I can definitely say I'm a little bit of, of several things. You know, I'm a storyteller. I'm, I'm a, an artist. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm an author. I'm, you know. Yeah. I'm somewhat of a rules lawyer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll go stickler. I'm not as much of a okay. rules lawyer. I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a stickler. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're all our own individual kind of gamer. Very, very true. Yeah. And until, until you're one of those, until you're one of those people that can say that you have to play and find out what, what fits you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, you know, that's why at at my local gaming store here, you know, after that game stopped, after we were done, you know, I I went to the side and, and told this girl, hey, you know, this isn't the only thing. This isn't right. everything. You know, right. This is something there. This is one part of this this big old puzzle that is tabletop RPGs. Yeah. So. And uh, and let's face it, the, the diversity is kind of what what brings part of the enjoyment of this to, uh, to having a group. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it, it just takes doing a little bit of research mm-hmm. or what I did making fifth edition my own uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and playing what you like, yep. you know, finding what you like. And of course that'll change all the time. It, it's changed for me recently. You know, yeah. going from fifth edition to storytelling games. Uh-huh. I barely want to play fifth edition. The only reason <laughs> I'm playing fifth edition is because I run it and play it the way I want to. 
Makes sense. You know, if you if you read my play by post, it there's like five dice rolls. Yeah. I've only rolled dice once. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the GM. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just just telling a story is everything for me. And uh yeah, you just gotta find it. Makes sense. I think well and I, I think that's that's kind of the core of an RPG is the story. I think if you're if you're playing a dice roller, you're probably going to at some point gravitate towards maybe a board game or, or something else that's a little bit more kind of rules oriented. If you want narrative, then you're in it for an RPG. It's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's it. Yeah, yep, yeah. Go play video games. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh yeah, I think I think this uh, this community is going to grow, and uh, as we get deeper into this community, <laughs> you know, us just being an infant on this podcast, true. You know, it, it it you know I've even found more people that are way more inclusive than others I've known. You know, yeah, they 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 care about like someone like Chris and and Jim McClure. They're they're way more invested in the community aspect of it. Whereas, you know, some big gaming groups are all in it for the money, you know, what, what percentage of, of Wizards of the Coast is in it for being a part of the community? Probably not a, a whole lot. That's a good point. You know, I love, I yeah. love the content Wizards does, you know, but are they for the players? Yeah. You know, Jim McClure is coming out with this, this, uh, this Kickstarter to, to release content to players. He's not doing it to, to make money. He's told me that he said, I don't care if I make money. I don't care if I get $10 or 10,000, you know, you know, if, if there's people out there that I know will enjoy this, you know, I'm doing it for that. I'm doing it for the enjoyment and, you know, talking with him and even listening to any of his podcasts, you know, you will, understand that that's the kind of person he is right it's a kind of you know that's the kind of community this is you know it's not just an individual thing it's you know that's why we're doing this we we love doing this mm-hmm. we're not doing it to make any money we're not doing it to because podcasts are free guys <laughs> we're not making any money you know it's if true. you're waiting for checks in the mail mark steve what? you're I, you're not you're not gonna get one i was Wait promised a, a check <laughs> 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 Damn it, guys! I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> but yeah, we we do this. Don't listen to those idiots. <laughs> we we're doing it because we enjoy doing it. We we don't. I mean, that's that's all that can be said. Well, it, it's true. It is a the whole purpose of it is for community for doing it with with a group. If you wanted to just do something yourself, you could sit down and just write a story. But the whole purpose of yeah. role playing is to to have that interactive storytelling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that'll be it for this episode. You can find this episode, like always, on SoundCloud.com slash Tabletop Radio Hour and on iTunes. You can give us a comment down below the episode in SoundCloud. You can give it a timestamp if there's something you liked. You could give us reviews on iTunes as well. We would very much appreciate that. You could find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. We also have an email address. It's TabletopRadioHour at Yahoo.com. 
you can email us. We we will answer your questions on on the podcast. And to you also, so you don't have to wait. Nice. <laughs> but we'll but we'll do both. I would like to thank you all for listening and keep rolling twenties. realism is um franchise to franchise more or less it's it's more of a don't you think franchise definitely brings a whole different uh viewpoint of that realist uh point of view um saying you know even you know the rules don't say this but if you're playing star trek i saw an episode where they did this so i think i should be allowed mm-hmm. to do that um oh absolutely is is another whole another uh, realm of that that realist type of of player. Yeah, but I think that it, oh, yeah. it's more of a case of of being consistent within whatever world you're you're working in. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. What about you, Steve? What, what kind of player do you think you are? Okay, I self-identify as a casual gamer, although my kind of breakdown doesn't back up with a disinterested sort that they kind of went over on the list here. Uh, I I think if I had to guess, I'd actually go for the last one where it's sort of the general catch-all miscellaneous gamer um, because, you know, I I like to know the rules, I like to read them, and I like to play by them when I can, but I also like to throw them out the window when it's going to keep the story flowing and and, Uh um, I'm, you know, not really about these other things. Now, ironically... Based on the last campaign campaign I played with Mark, and I ended up being the power gaming Uber death machine. <laughs> that was really unexpected. But overall, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I'd still call myself a casual gamer. Yeah, but even yeah. even that, you that wasn't an intentional uh, move. Yeah, that was an intentional power gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was kind of inadvertent. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of the roll of the dice, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh okay Zach your turn. Oh man, okay. Uh you're asking me questions. This yeah. is my show. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um I definitely I'm definitely a stickler when it comes to some rules, you know. Um uh, but there is a very heavy flexibility with that whereas uh if you know, if you know, if I don't like a rule or if something doesn't fit right, I fix that. You know, but then I stick to that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of uh, contradicting, uh, contradicting stickler. But uh, I would say I'm heavy storytelling, so I would I would probably make that author actor. Um, not a power gamer at all. I I wouldn't say. Okay. Um, let me go back back to that list. I closed it out. Oops. <laughs> uh, there we go. Let's find it. Let's uh, let's see. 
Um, <laughs> uh, part of me is a casual gamer, just depending on what it is. I was definitely a casual gamer at the game store the other yeah. day. Man, didn't really care. <laughs> because uh, two hours with uh, three rounds of combat was really exciting. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. We went through three rounds of it. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> I would I would probably say a role player somewhat just because of yeah. the fact that I like getting in character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't really say a realist because I'm more of the person of if you want to do it, you can do it kind of thing. Um, even if it's kind of outrageous. I'm I'm the kind of person that enjoys you know I don't I don't care about the little things if it's if it doesn't matter but you know like we said about um you know with with gold tracking money tracking uh, mm. you know or or like encumberment stuff like that it's like say oh I've got an unlimited amount of rope I'm going to open up a rope store and get money that's that's outrageous come yes. on come yes. on people mm-hmm. I think Steve said that in that last episode. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, when it comes to things like that, um, I wouldn't say I'm really a realist. Uh, I, I'm just, a, if there's one there that said storyteller, that would be a hundred percent me. I, I think that <laughs> yeah. kind of falls under the author part of the authors and actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, probably a little bit of authors and actors. And then that last catch all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if, Let's be honest, I'm not really a stickler when it comes to, like, written rules. Okay. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) If it works, it works. If it makes sense, fine. Go with it. But, uh, yeah, I would say author, 